Hemingway published In Our Time in 1924 in Paris, but the book was then republished a year later in 1925 uh, in New York. And that 1925 edition is the one you're reading now and includes uh, a bunch more stories than the 1924 edition. Hemingway was only about 25 or 26 at the time he published the collection, and it really marks his first major uh, work. It's a weird kind of collection, um, and not in some ways what we expect or think of uh, when we think about Hemingway, uh, for different reasons, which you know, I'll point out as we go along here. One of the first things to note is uh, a big question, really. Is this a short story collection, or is it a novel? You'll notice as you read through the collection, uh, starting with On the Quay at Smyrna and all the way through to Big Two-Hearted River, that each of the stories, many of which in the first half center on Nick Adams, uh, is interrupted by or punctuated by these strange chapters, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, etc. And the two, the chapters and the stories, don't have any or seem to have any necessary uh, chronological, uh, biographical, uh, etc. connection. So on the one hand, the collection presents itself uh, as kind of a bunch of pieces. That is the short stories, uh, you know, starting with the Indian camp, etc. On the other hand, the collection also seems to say, hey, wait a minute, I'm a novel. I have chapters. Right? Even though the chapters themselves don't really seem to be connected uh, in terms of character or plot. This shouldn't be too surprising to us, though, because as we've seen uh, from the wasteland, modernism and the modernist aesthetic is really concerned with the relationship between parts and wholes, the tension between an overarching structure and then the autonomy uh, of individual bits and pieces. And the collection seems to reflect that. Uh, critics and scholars have a debate that's been going on for decades. Uh, about whether the collection is some kind of unified whole or whether it's just a, a heap of broken images, uh, to quote Eliot. In any case, uh, let's just start for a minute with uh, On the Quay at Smyrna. You know, I like to take a very small piece uh, of a text and see how much we can read into and out of that piece. So one thing to note, of course, is Smyrna. Where is Smyrna? Uh, it's kind of like, uh, I think, a nod to, in some ways, uh, pounds in a station of the metro. Smyrna is not in the United States. Smyrna is somewhere in an exotic, non-American, foreign, etc. Uh, locale. By starting the collection in this setting or in, in this location, Hemingway seems to be saying, hey, you know, uh, my, my scope is global. Uh, I'm not just going to write about America or Americans. Uh, instead, uh, this collection is going to take on our time in its broadest sense. You notice uh, in the, in, uh, on the quay at Smyrna, first of all, how terrifying it is. It's a very brief story, and yet it's got this really clear, uh, powerful kind of nightmarish quality to it uh, because of the things the speaker sees, uh, which include women giving birth to babies under blankets, which include old women dying, uh, people shelling uh, ports or not shelling ports, uh, it's all very chaotic. 
Uh, and it's also a very irrational, marked by violence, uh, pettiness, uh, rubbing up against uh, death and mortality. It's just a real shit show, uh, the quay on the quay at Smyrna. Um, the other thing you'll notice about it is when you first start reading, you're, you're probably going to feel a little confused. Who is telling us this? Uh, who is the person who is referred to as he a couple of times uh, and yet seems to be recording a first-person narration? I and we did this. I and we saw this, uh, etc. Uh, and, you know, that should, again, not be that alien to you because we've seen in the wasteland the focus on voices, right? That is what the artist seems to do, at least in the wasteland, is to remix voices. Uh, and kind of that's the skill uh, of the artist. Rather than creating his or her own voice, it's more like collecting and piecing together and stitching together voices. And here we have uh, a similar kind of structure. It is apparent that the character who's narrating the events at Smyrna, who saw these, who is the eyewitness, is somehow being recorded, or this is somehow a conversation uh, being transcribed uh, as the speaker refers to us, the reader, or the, the transcriber as you, you remember, uh, etc. I think the one thing to keep in mind here, and especially as you move forward in the collection, um, is uh, that there's really no narrator uh, in the sense of uh, there's no voice, overarching voice, that frames or contextualizes what's going on in the story. Instead, we're just plunged into uh, events on the quay at Smyrna through this first-person voice. Uh, and that's one of, I think, Hemingway's hallmarks and one of the things that makes his stories both extremely you know, fascinating and compelling, and at the same time, sometimes a little uh, off-putting or confusing. Hemingway's approach to narrative is really to reduce the presence of the narrator, to somehow get to the facts themselves, the events themselves, the reality itself, without any mediation or explanation or framing or contextualizing by a narrator. Some people refer to this as a kind of slice-of-life uh, approach to narrative. So this idea of covert narration, there's always somebody telling us these stories, but that person telling us these stories wants to be as invisible uh, as possible. So keep your eye on this covert narration. Uh, why would Hemingway you know, choose to reduce the role of narrator? Why is Hemingway interested in as much as possible uh, presenting the facts themselves, the events themselves. What's the problem with narrators? What's his beef uh, with narrators? Uh, on the Quay at, at Smyrna also hints a little bit at some of the thematic concerns that we'll see expand uh, as you read uh, the full collection. Uh, you'll notice the kind of, first of all, the sense of inscrutability. We don't really know what's going on. Uh, in fact, the, the short story or this fragment starts with not knowing. It's dark, it's midnight. You hear the screaming, but you don't know what's going on. The, the speaker doesn't know what's happening. Uh, and this is an important motif in Hemingway. That is the idea of not knowing. We think of, uh, sometimes think of narration or stories or art as giving us knowledge, as, as 
uh, giving us insight into a world. And yet at the center of Hemingway's craft is this idea of not knowing. We don't know. There are limits. The world is not uh, easily understandable or legible to us. So that's an important theme that gets established right away. Not knowing uh, how people respond to that, uh, etc. And then I think you can see little bits and pieces. For instance, we think of Hemingway as, you know, he's the guy who writes about bullfighting and fishing and all these macho things, etc. Is this horrific women, image of women and children, uh, women who have to give birth to children under these horrifying uh, conditions. This kind of goes back a little bit to Eliot, you know, that whole idea of the unnatural, uh, that somehow human experience is no longer in tune with uh, nature or the natural. And here we see kind of a hint of that as well, something that is supposedly or supposed to be kind of a natural precondition, uh, giving birth, etc., becomes really grotesque and horrifying uh, and violent. And we can see this picked up again, for instance, in Indian camp. Uh, but throughout, especially the first half of the collection, uh, we see that Hemingway is really interested in the relationship between men and women. I'm not going to say he's a romance writer, uh, but he's very much interested in uh, the relationship and the relations between men and women. That's at the center of so many of his stories. The collection, you know, kind of broadly seems to be divided in two. The first half concerning Nick Adams. That's Hemingway's famous protagonist. And the second half kind of moving around uh, between different characters, uh, etc. Uh, so pay attention to that first half, that what people call the Nick Adams stories, because there we can see, in a way, a kind of proto-buildings-roman. Uh, that is the narrative of the development uh, of a protagonist from youth to maturity, from innocence to experience, and from ignorance to knowledge. So some of what you might want to look at is why, what is Nick, what's happening to Nick? What is he doing? What is he learning? Um, how is he developing in the course of those, uh, that first set of stories? Um, then we move on in the second half uh, to, uh, as I said, uh, different stories with different protagonists. The shift here, the turn is marked by uh, two stories, I think, a very short story, Hemingway's most metafictional uh, story in some ways, and just a really great story. And then one of Hemingway's great stories, and this is one of my favorite uh, Hemingway stories, uh, which is Soldier's Home. Uh, so anyways, as you read through, uh, enjoy the stories. Uh, if you have questions about the stories, write them down. Uh, and think about some of the themes uh, that I've discussed here, and also some of the formal issues, that is issues that relate to the form of the story, how the stories are tell told, rather than what stories tell. Some of those formal issues are parts versus wholes, uh, to what extent you know, everything coheres, to what extent things are incoherent, um, and uh, men and women, and the relation between uh, men and women, and then knowing and not knowing. I think it's a very important uh, theme in Hemingway, what it means to know and to not know, how well people know themselves, uh, how well they think they know, the world around them, etc. Uh, a final theme you want to keep your eye on, which we, we see at the beginning with On the Quay at Smyrna and then the chapters, is the uh, theme of exile. That is to be uh, apart from home, away from home, uh, a stranger in a strange land, etc. And again, this takes us back to Eliot 
and his uh, fascination and fixation on exile, alienation, etc. Okay, so uh, read the collection. I'll give you some uh, prompts and questions to think about uh, as you're reading. Um, and enjoy. And I hope you're all well and safe and healthy.